wants to live long and finish strong? If that's you, you've come to the right place. This is Dr. Mary Speaks. Thanks for joining us. Well, praise God. Here it is, 2023, and we made it. Hallelujah. As I was preparing for this broadcast, um, listen, there were one word came to my mind and a song. And that word was, we made it. And the song was, I never would have made it without the grace of God. I love that song, God Bless Marvin Sapp. Well, I'm reaching out here to all my children and my family and my friends and and all of those who have a need to hear what they say of the Lord. Last year, I turned 80 years old, so I can call some of you my sons and my daughters and even my grandchildren. But it was not an easy year for me. It was a difficult year. It was full of challenges, one after another. And it, it helped me to understand what my brother Job and, and my brother Moses and my brother Nehemiah and all of them went through. Because truthfully, I felt like Sister Jobette, Sister uh, Moset, Sister Nehemiah, I was really relating to the challenges that our uh, brothers and sisters had back in hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. So um, I am here today to um, start fresh, a new year uh, as ahead of us. And as I said, my theme this year is mental health advocacy and me. And the devil did everything he could to keep this from going forth. In fact, some of you that saw uh, episode number six, um, I looked like I had been in a fight, and I had been. You can see the stress. But here I am refreshed and thanking God for knowing that he is here. So we are in full force moving ahead this year, and the focus is primarily going to be on mental health. And what prompted me to do this is I had a tragedy in my family last year, made national news, not the kind of news I wanted to make, especially when I'm about the importance of leaving a legacy. But the tragedy was, and and some of those of you that are listening know what happened to my family last November. Someone drove through uh, a, a Thanksgiving Day parade in an SUV, and as a result of that, six grannies were mowed down and a little boy lost his life. Regrettably, that was my grandson, Daryl Brooks Jr., my grandson. Oh, my God, I can't begin to tell you. I was watching the news when it happened with my husband, Dr. Kell, and I. And I, when I heard the name, I said, that's my grandson's name. And then when I saw the face, I knew it was my grandson. And this happened during a bipolar moment in his life. Unfortunately, he, he um, was diagnosed at the age of 12, I believe, with being bipolar. And this happened, he was nearly 40 years old when that um, tragedy took place. And as a result of that, now the verdict has come down and it was no surprise, guilty. And now he's gone away to spend the rest of his life 
in the penitentiary. And I just absolutely refuse to let the devil get any glory. So I'm here now. Since that has happened, um, the Lord has blessed me to become a mental health advocate, first line responder. I'm not going to be doing the therapy, but I want to be there when someone is in need and and has that meltdown and, and they need someone there to encourage them to get the help that they need. And so today, um, we're going to um, be talking about um, the importance of reaching out. Now, when my um, grandson went to court, I couldn't be there. It was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I couldn't be there uh, with him. But I did go on Zoom, and I was in the courtroom uh, when, uh, when he was being sentenced. And I, was, I put together some remarks that I want to share with you. And these are those remarks. And this pretty face you see on the, here with me is my dear, precious friend, Karen Mason Brown. And she's going to be joining us shortly as we begin to um, reach out to those of you that need to hear uh, what we have to say. And we're praying that the Lord will give you ears to hear and a heart to obey and the tools that you need to help someone. You never know. It might be in your own family. So let me read to you. Um, what I said in the court when my grandson was sentenced, I said, my name is Dr. Mary Darlene Edwards, and I am the grandmother of Daryl Brooks Jr. And I asked to be in this uh, session for two reasons today. First of all, from the bottom of my heart, I want to uh, offer my sincere apology to the families that have uh, lost their loved ones. Uh, as a result of this tragedy that was um, um, initiated and and the tragedy was done by my grandson, Daryl Brooks, Jr. As a minister of the gospel, I want to give you this promise from the scriptures that says, Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. My prayer is this too, that you won't be like the man that drank the poison and hoped that his enemy would die. I know it might not be easy for you to forgive, but it's going to take some work. There have been many losses as a result of this tragedy, and Daryl's mother has lost a son. I've lost a grandson. Daryl's children have lost a father. Yes, there's been many, many tragedies and losses here. It's tragic to us that we've lost our grandson and our son, but I understand the hurt that you parents and grandparents and grandchildren have lost your loved one. Now, when you look at Daryl, you see a monster, and I can understand that. However, when I look at Daryl, I see a grandson whom I love and who is deeply troubled, and who needs help. In my family, there's more than one generation of bipolar people. And I have heard them say over and over again, people just won't listen to us. Not just bipolar people, but others that I've encountered, some before this tragedy in my family. I've uh, had an occasion more than once to uh, interact with someone who was schizophrenic, uh, paranoid, 
uh, attention deficit disorder, all kinds of illnesses, all kinds of mental health illnesses. And they always say the same thing. No one will listen. So we have got to listen. And we must start with the younger generation. Daryl has lived with bipolar, as I said, since the age of 12. And it is my prayer that even in the uh, prison that he'll get some of the help that he needs. So finally, I just want to say this. I'm 80 years old, and I've been an ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ for 47 of those 80 years. I've used my life to revitalize an entire community on the east side of Detroit. So I know what it is to interact with troubled people. And and, um, presently, there's a church in um, Detroit. I'm still in my remarks to the to the um, uh, in the Zoom room where I was. There's a a, a pastor friend uh, of mine who is so committed to helping what I call the least of these. Bible says that what we do unto the least of these, we do unto Jesus. Those were his words. And my friend wants to start um, a mental health uh, clinic in his church. And eventually even build one from the ground up because he has the property to do it. So let me say this is my prayer, my belief that God will hear the cries of all of those that have been impacted by this tragedy. And that he will also hear the cries of my son, my grandson, Daryl Edward Brooks, Jr. Thank you and God bless you. So. Having said that, I want to uh, f- let's let you know insight on following my grandson's sentencing. Daryl's mother in Milwaukee and I have both received so much hate mail, phone calls. She even had to change her phone number. Um, and I've been called everything except a child of God. You know, I've been called the wicked grandmother of the West. And that's not who I am. And so. What I'm doing, I'm attempting to reach out and help those that might be able to avoid another tragedy, such as what I've experienced. Again, I want to quote this scripture that says, Matthew 25 and 40. Truly, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these brothers and sisters of mine, the least of these you did for me. Okay. Having said that. In uh, 2007, uh, I wrote my autobiography called Born Grown, and I was inspired to write this book because of um, another tragedy that happened um, in 2001. Maybe you've heard of this uh, person before. Her name is Heinz Prechter. Heinz Prechter. Maybe that name means something to you. But he was a genius. He invented the sunroof tops for these cars that we drive. He was a multimillionaire and a brilliant man. Yet he struggled with the stronghold of depression, bipolarism. And at the age of 59, he hung himself. What a tragedy. And I had an opportunity to uh, meet his widows because I have another ministry called Widows with Wisdom. And I had a chance to uh, meet uh, his dear wife, um, and, and a very personable, caring woman. And actually, as a result of um, 
of his death, and she too wanted to see something good come out of that. And what she did is she donated a million dollars to the Heinz Proctor Bipolar Research Center out here in Ann Arbor, where I'm living. And uh, I am interacting with them um, now. I'm trying to get a better understanding of what I can do as, you know, one person can make a lot of difference. We have to be prepared. We have to be trained. And we, of course, we have to be willing. So what I'm going to do here, and this is why I invited my dear, precious friend, Karen, I almost called her Dr. Karen, because you know, in one way or another, we are all we happen to get people through. Yeah. So what she has agreed to do with me, and I appreciate it so much. And uh, I'll let her say a few words if she like. And then we're going to read uh, the chapter 29 in my book, Going Wrong. And Karen, I'd like for you to say a few words. Speak from your heart for a few minutes and tell us why you're here. And then we'll read this chapter. Okay. Uh, good morning. Uh, Happy New Year. And uh, I thank you, uh, Dr. Mary, uh, also my, my dear, dear friend, for inviting me to be a part uh, of the podcast on uh, mental health advocacy. Um, my family has also um, uh, been, um, I, won't, I don't, I don't want to say struggle because uh, it's just something that we do. Uh, we take care of our own. And I have a sister at this time, uh, she's 67, and she was diagnosed with schizophrenia uh, in her early 20s. And so um, back when the hospitals were community-based and she um, uh, have to go into the hospital, sometimes very long-term, and now her adult daughters are... Um, beginning to open up and talk about life with their mom having this mental illness. So there is, it's very close to my heart. And so um, I would uh, just, as whatever Dr. Mary needs, I'm here to be a part of it. I just think it's time uh, that the stigma is um, taken away mm -hmm. from uh, mental illness. Even uh, you mentioned depression. And on a very, very personal level, uh, I am also a uh, minister of the gospel. And one of the things that I know is that um, everyone expects for uh, me, us as ministers, pastors, to just be, you know, up and about it every day. But one of the books that I have uh, on uh, my shelf is uh, walking through the valley and uh, emerging from clergy depression. And so, um, like I said, without getting deeply into it, but that's one of the books that I go to. And so uh, it happens, it, 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 it just happens, but a better understanding to help uh, the families and the ministers and the friends um, even those in mental health, uh, understanding uh, what it is that uh, can be added to uh, this that just happens. And so uh, I'm grateful on today for this opportunity, uh, for the learning experience uh, that I will reap from just being a part of what Dr. Mary is doing. And thank you once again. And I also um, 
I have my book. <laughs> and it was signed by Dr. Mary in 2007 when it was written. So um, I have read the book and I reread it uh, for this time. And uh, I, again, I'm just grateful to be a part of uh, what God is doing through her for uh, the mental health of us all. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karen. I appreciate it. Um, in uh, my book, uh, Born Grown, and the title came about as a result of me being a very young mother. I was a, I uh, became a mother and lost my virginity all at the same time. <laughs> and um, uh, at the age of 13, um, I gave birth to my first son, who, who is uh, living in uh, Reno, Nevada, and he is also bipolar. Um, so this is, it's just been going from one down from one generation and it's time for the buck to stop here. And so uh, when I heard about what happened to uh, Heinz Prechter, a multimillionaire, a genius, you know, I'm thinking, you know, it crosses all cultures, all denominations, all age group. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, this, this disease has no, no uh, favorites. It just attacks every, anybody and everybody. So we all need to be ready. So in this book, um, I interviewed someone. I, we're calling her Mary. Um, excuse me, I'm Mary, but her initial is M. And so um, Karen has agreed to stand in the in the position of this uh, interviewee, and I'm going to be asking her some questions. But um, the in, the prelude to this chapter here is at the age of 21. And this is uh, the person known as the initial M. We went to, into a, a treatment program for alcoholics. She has been sober for nearly 18 years at the time of this interview. And she said, in her words, I drank to escape reality. I drank and drank. And once I started, I could not stop. It, I was suicidal a few months before getting sober. My life got so much better after getting sober. But being mentally ill, I could not accept that sentence. I wish I would have been diagnosed with cancer or anything else, but not mental illness. You know, it's hard for the society to accept. It's hard for the person themselves to accept. But it's a mind-controlling demon. And so we're going to read this interview um, and Karen is going to stand in the in the role of M. Um, the first question I asked her: Have you been medically diagnosed? If so, when and at what age? Yes, I have been medically diagnosed bipolar. I was diagnosed on January fourth, nineteen ninety four. I was twenty six years old. Let me say something. You know, the interesting thing here is people by, di, are often diagnosed as an adult when the disease was there at a much earlier age. And that's why I say we have got to reach these young people before, um, you know, they get set in their ways, so to speak, or the adversary is taking control of their minds. So going on, what prompted you to get diagnosed? My father had passed away the year before which was very traumatic for me. He was also bipolar and was sick from the time I was three. 
There was also a nor'eastern storm in New York where I was living that flooded my apartment that same year. I had been diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and Epstein-Barr virus. Both conditions are considered difficult to diagnose because of the very possible symptoms, including general pain and extreme fatigue, which are symptoms that can describe any number of other conditions. I believe there was a physical attack on my body that preceded my mental breakdown. I was first diagnosed when I was found at JFK Airport trying to get into a secured area. I had managed to get on the tarmac because I was looking for my private jet that I believed was there. What had you heard about bipolar disease before you were diagnosed? Before I was diagnosed bipolar, I lived with my father, who was first diagnosed schizophrenic in 1970, and later in the early 80s diagnosed bipolar. My father usually wore his pajamas and rarely went outside. He was heavily medicated his whole life. He made frequent trips to state-run mental hospitals. It was a very scary place to me. And so was his illness. How has the disease impacted the way you relate to your family and children? Thankfully, I was diagnosed and put on medication at the first onset of my mania. Even though this was a very terrible and serious mania, I am thankful that up until today, I have not had another manic episode. I continue to take my medicine and have found peace and healing through following Jesus Christ. Because of being saved through Jesus and called by name by God, I believe that I am stable. My faith has helped me. I do believe my medicine also helps me. And I will probably continue to take it for the rest of my life. My family understands that I have been diagnosed with this disease, but I am thankful they have yet to see me sick with the mania or depression of this illness. You know, they used to call bipolar manic depression. Yes. You know, what medication are you taking? I take lithium which I started from the diagnosis of this illness. I also take Synthroid for my thyroid. I have hypothyroidism, an underactive thyroid, which can also cause fatigue. How are your family members taking it? Are they supportive? My mother is one of the strongest women I know. She has been through a lot with my father's illness. My husband is very loving and supportive, even though he has never experienced mental illness in his own family. He tries to understand and has compassion. My children are still very young and I don't speak to them about this subject often, but it does come up 
when I talked to them about my childhood and my father. Because I have been stable on medicine, I look like someone who is not affected with mental illness. I just want to uh, say something right here. What so often happens is that when, when they start taking medication and they start feeling better, they will stop taking the medication. And then it's a revolving door. It just starts all over again. And so we have to encourage them, you know, to stick with it. Okay, besides your father, are there other family members who are bipolar or suffer from other mental illnesses? My parents had five children. Four out of the five children, including me, have been diagnosed bipolar. All of us have full productive lives. Do you find yourself embarrassed to talk about this? Yes. Father got sick. He was shunned by friends. People who were very close to my parents and godparents to us disowned our family. It was terrible the way they treated my dad. When I got sick, I got the same response from close friends. They looked at me differently, and I got the sense that they thought if they got too close to me, they would catch what I had. As I got older and more stable, I thought I could share my childhood memories. I did this with a woman I had met through my son's Christian school. I only shared with her my father's struggles in a general way. Afterwards, she wanted nothing to do with me or my son. This was just last year, and I promised that I would never speak about mental illness and my personal experience with it with anyone. It was shortly after this that God burdened my heart with people who needed to hear my experience, and I shared publicly about my mental illness. What strategies have helped you the most? The strategy that has helped me the most is prayer, reading the Bible and taking my medicine, also trying to be of service. It is when I am helping others that I feel most balanced and happy. I also keep a journal for my children so that they can understand how God has carried our family through many difficulties. I also would like for them to see the miracles that God continues to bless us with, to see how his hand has guided and protected us. Isn't that encouraging? Very what have you learned that you could share with others, practical matters as well as spiritual matters? Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited, because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. I feel that we each have our own thorn. Mine happens to be bipolar. Mm. It reminds me that God has created me to have this for a reason. When I got sick, I was put on disability. 
which I am grateful for because at the time I could not keep a job. Later, though I tried to cancel my disability and was told by the state that they still believed me to be disabled. Come on. Even though I continued to try to cancel benefits, it was never stopped. Then one day I called and told them I no longer wanted the money they were sending me for being disabled. I was told I needed to go to the office in person. When I went to the local Social Security office, they said they had never heard anyone want to stop benefits and wanted me to see their doctor. Can you believe that? Yeah. They finally stopped sending me money, but my case still isn't closed. I used to view my illness and past with shame and remorse until God gave me the grace to see the freedom I have from it. I have bipolar, but I am not disabled. And taking the money every month made some part of me believe that lie. Isn't that something? Today, I know the truth and it has set me free. Praise God. Today, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and I want to share his glory and forgiveness and grace with others. Today, I am a child of the King, which makes me a princess and I wear my crown with dignity and pride. Today, I know that my experience and freedom needs to be shared publicly so the stigma of mental illness doesn't kill the people still chained. Today, I have a voice that will speak for the people who cannot speak. Today, I am free and pray for that freedom for all prisoners of mental illness. My, my, my. Isn't that encouraging? You know, but the Bible says, whose report do you believe? You know, the world will tell you you're crazy and lunatic, demonic and all of that. But we have to know who we are. When we are a child of God, we are his children. And how we, have a, we have a different identity. And we have to know that. We have to know that we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Are you familiar with the National Association of Mental Illness, also known as NAMI? If so, what has been your experience with them? Yes. Right after I got out of the mental hospital 13 years ago, I went to a NAMI meeting. I felt very discouraged because the only people that were there were family members of people with bipolar disease or people who were very sick and heavily sedated. Mm. It was actually very depressing. I believe that at that time, people who had mental illness and were living productive lives didn't go to meetings. I am currently seeking to get to meetings in my area so that I may be able to offer hope to someone who may be just coming out of the hospital like I was 13 years ago. Let me interject something here. Keep in mind that this book was written in 2007. 
I have I interact with NAMI, and a lot of changes have been made since then. And I started to leave this out, this part out, but it's already in the book. Yeah. But it, keep in mind that this was a while back, and they have come to realize uh, that the, there's a, a segment of, of that needs to be involved more in um, it, with their uh, outreach. And that's those who are mental health coaches. Yeah. We need to be out there and encouraging people to get the training so that they can be a part of the solution, you know, and, and attend these conventions. Because I've attended, I attended one, but it was many years ago, and I had a similar experience. Uh, but things are changed uh, over the years, and I salute them for the good work that they're doing. And I uh, and let you know how we can. When we come to realize that there's changes that need to be made, let us be part of the change. And so they've been part of the change. I salute them for the good work that they're doing, and they want to do more. They've even asked for my help in reaching out to the community because I have good uh, uh, interaction with um, uh, neighborhoods and churches. So I'm helping to make a difference, and so let us continue. Uh, Do you have any other comments that you wish to make? Please do so. Yes. Before I got sick, I had been sober for five years. I loved life. I was starting to make a name for myself. I also was starting to read the Bible. After I got sick, it was like my life ended. People treated me differently. I had lost my love of life and wanted to die. I did not want to wind up like my dad. I did not want to end up alone. I didn't think anyone would want to be my friend since I had lost so many when I got sick. Even my best friend at the time said she couldn't visit me in the hospital because it was too much for her. I didn't think anyone would want to marry me either. I felt like one of those misfits toys in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I felt like no one would want to love me. I poured some pills in my hand in hopes of taking my life. I just couldn't bear being mentally ill. I have seen how people treated my dad, and I just knew I wasn't strong enough for that persecution. That is when God met me. He lifted me up and has carried me from that day to this. I told God I wasn't strong enough to live. And he answered me with Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you by my righteous right hand. I am so thankful that God is so faithful. Isn't this encouraging? Thank you so much, uh, Karen, for your um, uh, reading this out of this book. Um, and we all have a testimony. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And I want to encourage you. I'm not here to uh, to try to sell books, but there's a lot of good stuff that can help all of us in this book. 
And at the end of uh, this presentation, you'll see how you might be able to order that book. Uh, Karen is going to be with us uh, pretty often, I hope, to share some of her personal experiences. And one of the things that she said to me that stuck with me, and and I, I shared it with my husband, who is, uh, who is <clears throat> excuse me, I am not letting this cough stop me. So you all just bear with me because God, God healed me of this cough long enough last time we were on to bring my voice back so that I could speak. But my, I shared something that Karen said uh, to me. She said, you know, I am not an ex expert, but I have experience. And we don't have to be experts. Mm -hmm. But let us get some experience on what can we do to lay the ax to the root of this, this uh, mind, these mind-controlling spirits and encourage people, give them hope for the future. I thank you, Karen, and I want you to come back on and talk about uh, some of your personal experiences. This is an open opportunity for any of those of you that are listening. If you'd like to share something personally, it's amazing. Since I put the press release out about what happened to my grandson, people that I have known for years have opened up to me about some family history that I never knew, never knew. People are talking, and, and unfortunately, things are happening. But you know what I'm seeing? It's happening in, two, in when it begins to happen in Hollywood, the neighborhood starts getting some help. And so we've got to open up. And I'm, I'm one of my gifts, I say, is transparency. And I say, you know, I'm 80 years old. I don't have anything to prove, nothing to hide, nothing to be ashamed of. And so we all have history and we want to make a, we want to turn a bad thing into a good thing. And we can do that if we come together and see as one, just one person can make a world of difference. And I've seen what I have been able to do. And since I've been willing to share openly my personal experiences, others are coming on board. If you'd like to uh, be interviewed on this uh, podcast in the future or like to be a, one of our team members, if you have an experience, as Karen said, you don't have to be an expert. Let us join forces mm -hmm. and let us make a difference. Tune in until we meet again. This is Dr. Mary Edwards, and my theme again this year is Mental Health Advocacy and Me. That's Mary Edwards, me. So come on board. We welcome you. God bless you, and enjoy your day. Bye. Bye-bye. Please join me next time as I continue to speak to your heart about things that God has put on my heart to share with you. Uh, the Bible also says, know those who labor among you. I do a number of different things, and you can take a look and get to know me better. I want you to look at medicministries.com. The acronym for medic is manifesting entire deliverance in Christ. Then another one I have is for widows, widowswithwisdom.com. It takes a widow to know a widow, and I, I, I've had a widow's experience. I've had a married wife experience, single woman experience, divorced woman, you name it. I've been there, done that. And our, our purpose is to reach out and help widows, those who have lost their husbands, and, and help them to make their adjustments, widowswithwisdom.com. 
Writing is my passion. I'm a scribe in the body of Christ. And so I want you to check out leavesofgoldconsulting.com. I am a book coach, uh, an editor, a publisher, and an author. So you'll see all of that when you go to leavesofgoldconsulting.com. Check it out. And over all of these outreaches, my umbrella is legacy, leaving every generation a chronicle of you. So join me next time and listen to what Dr. Mary has to say as she speaks to your heart. God bless you and enjoy your day.